As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, folks... For the second time in three years, it's Pens and Islanders in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And your Penguins are the champions of the Mass Mutual East Division. And for the first time in Dying Alive history, we have a repeat guest on the show. This is Dying Alive. Dying Alive podcast. We're back after about a month hiatus. Get it done off the top. I am Pat Damp. We got to give our shout out and congratulations to our third member, Jesse Marshall, who is not on the episode today, who is a new dad. So joining myself and Mike Darnay of Pennsburg is the one and only and first repeat guest in history, Sean Gentilly of The Athletic. Sean, welcome back, man. Glad to be here, fellas. Also, uh, apologies to everybody who was expecting to hear Jesse and got me. I think that's pretty that's pretty standard. I, I feel like we're we're in a better place though as a whole than the last time you were with us. <laughs> was there actually? We there were, were not. We, we were there were no games. Go, there were no games going no, on the first time. Were there? No, we were. That was like during the first month of hiatus, and we were all just kind of in a bad place. <laughs> I couldn't remember if we just if we just completely ignored talking about games or I just I don't know dude yeah. time time has collapsed upon itself yeah. that seems like it was either last week or for five years yes, ago at this correct. point we de- I remember we definitely talked about the the legend that is the South Side Burger King oh yes which was just a great conversation <laughs> and the one thing that we all got to check in on here because we're over a year into the pandemic now I've backed off it a little bit Sean I gotta ask if you've backed off on it are we still eating frozen pizzas I've, I've, thank God I've gotten my life back on track physically over the last, over the last like month or so. Uh, I, I lasted, I lasted for a while though, man. I was, uh, I was trying, you know, where, where were we last we spoke? I, th- I think I was, I think I was in my DiGiorno phiz at the, at that I point, so. but I, I can't, I can't really say. 
Uh, yeah. I, was in, I was into pizza rolls for a while, but just like <laughs> you said, I've been back on track for about six weeks and it's, thank God. Yeah, about the last month, like I said on the old, on the last episode with Sean, I've gotten off the Pop-Tarts. That was, that was a... That was it. That was the early pandemic find. I was like, you know what? I haven't had in a while. Pop tarts. I just went. It was in. full on. It was full on regression. Like, we, yeah, because we were talking about cereal and pop tarts and frozen <laughs> pizza and shit. Yeah, I've uh, the run you know, on I, Nint- I, the run on Nintendo switches. <laughs> Dude, I uh, I I had a really so I I I was running and I I got back into all that and then I. I, uh, I sprained my ankle horribly like, like three weeks ago. So that gave me a great excuse to like backslide backslide for a couple of weeks. I, I tried, uh, I tried, I tried my first few miles since, since that, I, I got to say to everybody who's like in, who's in your thirties, um, don't recommend spraining your ankle on a curb. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't heal quite like it did 10 years ago. So good. So good, good luck to everybody out there trying to get their shit together after all this. Did, did you fall? Did anyone see? Oh God. I went down like a, I went down like a bag of dirt. I was at, uh, <laughs> I was at the corner of, of, of Beachwood and fifth. I tried to dodge a stroller and the curb there is it's gnarly and i did i took a bad step and then just kind of like collapsed next to the stroller right so i'm like, <laughs> like and, and the, the the guy was like oh dude i'm so sorry i couldn't even talk i was I, like it was like I, I blacked out as soon as it happened i i thought about calling somebody and having them pick me up because i was like this is this is this is not good but yeah that's basically that's basically been it that's been my that's been that's been my last month is uh, trying not to run and trying not to totally backslide into full on, you know, DiGiorno slash Red Baron mode. I had that happen like a month or so after we recorded our last episode with you. I was running <laughs> through my neighborhood and like just got my own feet tangled up in like barrel road uh, for like 10 yards and ended up in someone's front yard. And I had my, I, I had my earbuds on. I was just kind of like sitting there collecting myself because like luckily like I, <laughs> did, I rolled co- correctly so I didn't like – cut my head open or anything i was just kind of like who what just happened yeah and like i didn't realize it for like two minutes like the person was like out their window like hey hey are, are you good yeah. <laughs> like i couldn't hear it. and like they eventually yeah. like, came out and like tapped me on the shoulder and scared the hell out of me and i was like oh whoa oh. they're like hey you are i was like oh yeah and, like took my ear but i was like yeah just uh you know catching my breath <laughs> yeah it's i'm fine now i've uh, every everybody asked if i felt a pop or, or anything like that i'm like i honestly i don't know I, I i i blacked out for for five seconds probably so we should probably talk about what is going to start mm-hmm. either like tomorrow next week next month who knows <laughs> uh the penguins and islanders are going to play game one of the stanley cup playoffs in the mass mutual east division so one thing I wanted to talk about because I read it the other day, Sean, was the preview you did with Yohi, Rossi, and Staple. Like I thought that broke the series down really well, and I kind of want to expand on some of this stuff in that. So, like one of the first things I wanted to get into, other than you know, like a full-on series preview in the whole matchups, is you kind of had a similar take that I was going to have. Is I think the biggest X factor so far that we're going to see in this series is Varlamov. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I said it. I said it in the write-up. Am I taking Varlamov over Jari under normal circumstances? Like, yeah, pro- probably. I-, I think that's a fair assessment to make. But he was bad enough, and he got seven out of the eight starts against against the Penguins this year. He's bad enough to wonder whether 
the Penguins have like a legit a legit book on him. Like he's he's sub nine hundred in, in, in seven games. On the other on the other end of things, Jari's Jari was unbelievable. I know they had a nine forty two save percentage. I, I think it was against the Islanders overall. That's what the that's with some dismith minute minutes uh mixed in there. But yeah, it's just it's one of those things, man. It seems like Varlamov is gonna have to steal a game or two if the Islanders wanna wanna really make this, you know a long series, let's say. And I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sold on him have, having that in his bag for this particular team. Yeah. But on the, on the flip side of it, you, you brought this up as well. And I, you know, putting the rundown for today's episode together, I noticed this too, and kind of breaking down the season, which we'll get into a little bit later, the whole season uh, for the Penguins is jo- like kind of the team itself, but more so a microcosm of it is Jari. Like when they played at PPG Paints Arena, Vesna candidate, like almost right. unbeatable. Put him on the road, and he's a guy you called up when all your goalies were hurt. I don't know what to make of that. Like this this season, more than most. I mean, there's not much of a functional difference in environment between between home games and, and away games. I'm always hesitant to read all that much in, into home and away splits. Like I think it's one of those things that you know it's it's an eye of the beholder type thing. Yes, of course. You know, you don't have the last change on the on the road, but I, I I'm I I'm always hesitant to like to read too much into it. But man, it's so significant and in and in, uh, in, in jarring with with Jari that yeah, I I can't help but wonder what the hell's going on there. Honestly, he yeah. I mean, dude, dude, you said it. He goes from all star borderline Vesna candidate to like. You know, uh, the 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 Maxim legacies of 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 the world. I mean, I I probably shouldn't dump on him because he was great against the Bruins, but but he's like he's like call up fodder basically on the on the road, and that's that's wild to me. I I don't have a good explanation for it. Yeah, and, and even another angle about the home and road thing is, if they stay alive for a couple of weeks, they could be looking at a full arena at home. Yeah, right. I mean, God, we're not. I mean, we're whatever game game two is going to have a significant bump as is right like we're we're going to be we're talking yeah. ten thousand. i i right it's it's we're, we're gonna yeah. hit, we're gonna hit 50 percent for game two and stuff's gonna be crazy in, in in the coliseum like there's they've relaxed they've relaxed regulations there and mm-hmm. pe- people there are even on on a normal day you know people there are out of their minds so there so there is going to be um yeah, the crowd factor is going to be back in play really for the first time. Like I'm just, I, I, I think those guys, you know, you, you hear them talk, especially, especially guys like Malkin and, and he's the one that sticks out the, uh, er, the early season games where there was nobody in the stands. I mean, that was an, that's, that was an issue for them. Like they, mm-hmm. they, they did, they didn't like doing it. And it's, it's normalized uh, at least enough to, to, to the, to the, not like over the last over the last month or two or whatever moving forward that you get the vibe that whether you're in Pittsburgh or New York or Boston or whatever that those guys were just happy to have anybody in the stands where regardless of who they regardless of who they were cheering for so yeah it is it's a it's an interesting wrinkle and it's in you know the longer they play the more people are going to be in going to be in buildings right like across the board so yeah I, I you know that's kind of one. That's always one of the directions I, I get pulled in. Is like, I is I don't like just def, I don't like just saying well they're 
their players and, and, and they know better and whatever. That's 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 not always right. But there is there is something at play there psychologically, I, I, I think. And you can't you can't totally discount that. And I'm, I'm really I'm really trying not to. But at the same time, you look at the you look at the splits on a guy like Jari and you're just like, what is like what what exactly is going on here? Because it is it's 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 significant. And even as a team, they've been outstanding at home this year. Mm-hmm. Well, and you think about it now, you know what you said, what you guys were saying about crowds. This is the last dance for Nassau Coliseum. Like they're going to move into their new place. They're going to move into their new place. I think in two years, and they have whatever that other rink that they play at sometimes. And in in this era, <clears throat> excuse me, in this era, arenas are very cookie cutter. Like everywhere you go, it's about the same. Nassau is the last of the old school. And yeah, you, I don't know. It's gonna be. It's, I think it's gonna be bananas there. And, and yeah, you I don't know there, if you guys have. I don't know if you guys have ever had a chance to 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 make it there, but it's 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 bonkers, and it, it's yeah. in a in a in a good way. Like I don't know if now would I want to uh, own a team that played in a building like that? I don't think so. The, the The revenue the revenue situation is is not great. They're not making a lot of money off off that building. Would I want to go and watch that? Watch? Would I want to work there and and spend you know forty one or for fifty nights a year there? I don't think so. But as a as a as a place to visit and as an experience to have it's it is it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of the last one right where where you basically have a have have a concrete bowl that's that, that was built in 1960 whatever and there's just there's there's none of those left and, and pe- people there know it man that that place has all all sorts of history and we, we don't have to we don't have to go into that but people are they're gonna be they're they're gonna be crazy and and rightfully rightfully so because because this is it it's got that that low ceiling, the extra loud goal horn. Mm-hmm. People are nuts. And I mean, flashing back to like the Islanders teams from 2013 to present, that arena kind of fits their team's personality a little. Oh, totally, totally. It's uh, no frills, whatever. Like you're, you know, it, 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 uh, it reminds remind, reminds me a little bit of Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> that's a that's a. Uh, Expand on that, please. Uh, the, con- the concourse reminds me of Chuck E. Cheese, like, yeah. or or maybe like the lobby of Hills back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it's got it's 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 got the popcorn and yeah, icy the smell. Popcorn smell. Yeah. It's got like the uh, the walls kind of look like um, like the, the subway tile a little bit. Yeah, you feel like I mean, you can stick. You feel like you can stick stick your arms out and touch each touch each wall of the of the concourse. I mean, that's that's the sort of stuff that you just don't. Yeah, and, and there is you just one, don't get anymore. Concourse, you go up and down from the same mm-hmm. level. It, it's it's a shithole, but it's kind of a charming shithole. It's about as close. It's about as close to being a factor in in this series as 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 you can get when uh, when you're talking about you know rinks or or, or home ice advantage or whatever like yeah, things are di- things are things are different there yeah looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. No, I think that's a good segue, though, like saying that it's different. But that's kind of something also I want to talk about looking into this series is 
it feels different than the 2019 series. Like there were a lot of blinking red lights on the dashboard going into the 2019 series. This one, it doesn't like it's the Islanders. It's a Barry Trotz coach team. And, you know, as your colleague Rob Rossi pointed out, I think it was of all for all of Sullivan's postseason success. One of the guys that has his number is Barry Trotz. And that's always a factor. So, what are the differences you guys are seeing moving into this series this year? Well, primarily, Jack Johnson and Eric DeBranson aren't logging major minutes, let alone any minutes. No, I mean, the the, the Johnson-Schultz pairing in, in particular against the Islanders was a catastrophe. I mean, I, I, had, I had also, by the way, the, the 2019 series, I had, like, just started at, at the Athletic. Like, I was all geared up for some kind of long playoff run, and then it's over. It's 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 over in four games in no small part thanks to them um yeah i think that's i i think that's it you don't have this you don't have this crater uh defensively and you have depth scoring which is something that they did not have at that point i mean we're i'm sure we're going to talk more about the about the carter mccann line and that's that's something that they just couldn't even couldn't even come close to recreating and now in tristan jari's better than matt murray so so you take you you take the three reasons that they lost which is Spotty goaltending, Johnson Schultz, and then you know basically two lines that you're just hanging hanging everything on, and all all three of those things have been fixed. So I, I don't know. Like I'm I'm always trying to look for reasons <laughs> for this team to lose, right? Like you're trying to approach it some, I, somewhat, and it might be an overcorrection on my part because you're like, all right, whatever. I'm trying not to be Homer about, about this sort of stuff. What, like, what are the, what, what are the reasons that this doesn't work out? And there's certainly, there's certainly less reason, you know, to think that way than, than there was in 2019. Pat, I, I, I mean, you said it, man, like the, the check engine light was on go, going into that series, wh- whether people wanted to admit it back then or not. Well, and that's kind of like the, the biggest thing that, that I agree with too, with you is like, you know, people view that of like trying to find a way, to poke holes in it is just being negative and, and pessimistic, mm-hmm. but that's kind of your role in our role as a podcast in analyzing a team. Like you don't want to just come on and be cheerleaders, but you also don't want to come on and look at something that's been good and be like, Oh, it sucks. Everything's terrible. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to overcorrect. Right. And, and I think that's like, that's where I, that's a space that I feel like I'm in. Yeah, right now yeah, is like is is you know is you know like me and like a great example me and dom are putting together play uh like the playoff power rankings y- yesterday right which, and we're, which and I'm by just, the way that has been an incredibly bright spot in this season as you oh, thanks. Power. Dude, <laughs> thanks dude I, dude i have like i, I think in this is a different discussion for a different day i think that's something that's been missing for a long while for hockey coverage is where like we got into this weird era where everything had to be like overly serious and we have to break this down statistically and analytically and everything has to mm-hmm. come from a serious place. Sports is still entertainment, man. Like let's have a, yeah, let's totally. have a little bit of fun with it. And like you and Dom put out this ranking. That's like, we're ranking it on, you know what, whatever the hell we feel like this week. And it has made me laugh my ass off every week. Oh, I'm, I mean, that's, I, I appreciate you saying that dude. That's, that's really, that's really all we're going for. Like we're, we're trying to bring, you know, actual reasoned analysis to something that's fundamentally goofy, right? Like you're like, oh, who's uh, t- t- who's uh, are the are the, are the Kings twenty fourth or twenty fifth? And it doesn't it it doesn't it doesn't matter. That's like the dirty secret of power rankings. Is that like, you know, as a as a writer, you don't really care whether wh- like whether 
the, the team you're talking about is ranked 24th or 26th, the people reading it might, but the, but you're trying to Trojan horse, like some, some jokes and some analysis and in, in, into, the, into the whole proceeding. So yeah, man, that's, that's it. I got people, people have really dug it and that's, that's really, that's really all, all, all all you can hope for when you're doing when you're doing stuff like that for sure but yeah what are we talking oh so even putting those together right like i'm like i got the i got the penguins at seven or whatever it is and i'm trying to like poke holes in this especially after the way the last couple seasons have gone and i'm like i don't i think i think they're pretty good (laughs) like i that's sort of i i can't i can't i can't find a way around that like yeah but you do want to try to bring it down a little because i mean just as a observer across the board reading things the the whole shooting down every theory that they're good is just as obnoxious as the 100 they're unbeatable yeah and like i said you you got to guard against the overcorrection because the, the, then you end up you end up coming across as a hater or or, yeah, or whatever yeah, and, no one, and no one and no one and no one no one i don't want that like i i just want to try to you know come at it as as uh as 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 analytically as i as i can honestly but but some but you do that's the that's the concern right is is that you're trying to poke holes where there where where there really aren't any and i i think they're i think they're i think they're pretty good i'm certainly not picking them to lose the islanders at this point which is crazy because like i like a, a, a year or two ago like i i'd have felt totally differently but this team this team's different man yeah like you, you want to poke holes enough but not to the point where you have the reputation that this guy just likes to shit on the penguins. Yeah, right. I that's that's not something that's not something I I'm remotely interested in either. But yeah, man, I, that's that's sort of it. You know, you try you're trying to find the balance and that's a, that's really all I'm going for. What I think you you touched on it a little bit, so let's get into it is I think the biggest difference this year, we said it a little bit ago, is the depth. They like the 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 teams of the past couple years you know, you obviously don't count 16 and 17 because you went, you finished with a cup run. You did it right. 18, I think we can pretty much say, like, look, they were gassed. It was it was time. Mm-hmm. And But then you look at 19, 20, 15, 14. Those years, they were good. Like, there's no two ways about it. They were good teams. But they were paper tigers. Like it was Crosby's line, Malkin's line, Latang's pairing, and let's hope everything else works out. Like this year you look at Crosby's been incredible. He has had a hell of a season. Malkin has in in the wake of Malkin being out, but then you have guys like McCann step up, Kapanen steps up. The defense has been solid. Jari's been pretty good when he needs to be. It has the makings of a team that hasn't had this kind of depth in four or five years. So I think that is going to be the biggest difference this year is they're not Trots and the Islanders aren't going to have to worry about, okay, shut down Crosby, shut down Malkin. We'll take care of the bottom six. I think it's one, go ahead, Sean. No, it's, it's one of those things. That it's a cliche because it's true when you're talking about secondary scoring and whatever else. We've seen it year after year where there's going to be, there's going to be games that Crosby and Malkin don't have it in the, in, in the power play doesn't have it. And if, and if that's where, you know, 70% of your offense comes from or, or, or whatever, like you're, you're not going to be long for the world. Right. But, but when, when you can throw out the Carter line and again, that's just the Carter McCann line. That's just something that they haven't, that they, that they haven't had. And then, and that, and that is, 
a reason to fundamentally think differently about this team than we have than we have in years past because they, they they haven't had that. You, I mean, everybody loves everybody loves Nick Benino, right? Everybody loves the the, the HBK line and whatever. The, there's uh, there's reasons that you know <laughs> those those guys occupy a special place for 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 a good reason. But like you know from an offensive standpoint guys like like Carter and McCann they're bringing they're they're bringing they're bringing even even more than those guys were honestly i i i think they're capable of it at least so yeah it's a it's, it's a it's a it's a really really good thing for them and it's you know that's the kind of balance you have to strike you don't want to get completely overly excited about, about it or, or overly optimistic about it but you also do need to be honest about the fact that this is that this is different. It's a fundamentally different team than than we've been talking about for for the last couple of years in in very important ways. That's I was going to say. It's easy to draw parallels to 2016, 2017 because it's in recent memory and they won. But they mm-hmm. seem like they're built in a similar way and play the way they're playing now. The way they played that led to success, which is which is legitimately surprising to me. I mean, it, sort of, but not really because obviously. Burke and Hextall have only been here for about a half of a year. And I, like, that was the happiest and also worst I felt when, like, it was like, you know, Elliot Friedman comes down and says, hey, the uh, the Penguins are going to hire Ron Hextall as their next general manager. And I'm dancing circles around my room because that's who I wanted them mm-hmm. to get. And then the news comes down like 20 minutes later. They're also hiring Brian Burke as their president of hockey operations. And it's a wild day, dude. <laughs> yeah. But I was terrified, like at the trade deadline, that they were going to do something. I, 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 I can say dumb, but like mm-hmm. something that would have been fundamentally Brian Burke. Like they go right. out and get somebody that has no use other than he's big and can hit. And when it came down, that all they did was Jeff Carter. I was like, that's exactly what they needed because you know i i know that that a lot of the joke among the the pens blog guys right now is that uh danny was like oh i don't, I don't like that pickup and that he's been incredibly good but like i was kind of looking at his stats when they traded for him i was like he's been pretty good on a garbage la team like put him as depth and that's a good pickup i mean yeah, i remember i remember my initial thought was goal scorers don't stop scoring goals as long as he can still skate he's fine and i i was kind of skeptical about it i'm like this guy's old but Mm -hmm. then i mean i couldn't have been more wrong you know they're they were playing him a lot with you know not bad like whatever they're you're you're talking about him playing with gabe velarde and guys like that who were who were you know 25 26 years old that was like kind of the role that he that he'd fallen into right it was like oh yeah we'll just see if see if he works with with dude x <laughs> and um so i i think i think his production you know his, his point production suffered a, a a little bit because of that but there were definitely a couple reasons to think that that was going to work one i i'd watched enough of the kings and know that he could still skate like I, I i could i could say that two he immediately became you know, in terms of individual shot generation and whatever, all those, all those shot based metrics, he was immediately like, if, if not first then second to Russ, basically in, 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 in everything. Um, and just the, it, from the jump, knowing that he, that he's still center and wing capable, that's gigantic. I mean, it, it just, it made all the sense in the world. And it was also a fundamental change for a lot of reasons from the, from, from the Rutherford era 
<laughs> but the biggest one is that they just they went out and found one guy that fit and went and got him. And that was it. Like this wasn't, you know, it, this wasn't Dominic Cahoon for Evan Rodriguez and Connor Sherry. And it wasn't, let's see what Patrick Marlowe's got. And let's see what this guy's got. It wasn't just, you know, uh, throwing darts and, and, and hoping, hoping you hit a bullseye. It was actual evaluation of a team and saying like, what do we miss? And then figuring out a way in no small, small part, by the way, like Hextel had to convince Jeff Carter to come here and it was not an easy process. It took, it took weeks, right. For, for, to, to get him to sign off. But they they realized what they needed and they and they went out and got it. It wasn't just change for change sake. And I think that's one of the biggest criticisms of Rutherford, and rightfully so, is that. And you can even you can even say it now. What like what what would happen in in April if if he were still at the helm? We would have seen three or four deals, and and then it and then if down on a Mike Sullivan like it did last year to make three new guys fit. And that's just that's not what you want either. Like it's it's a lot easier to figure out a lineup when you, when you have a, when you have one really good player who can play a bunch of positions rather than just three or four guys that, you know, you're trying to incorporate at the, at the same time. So yeah, it, it made sense when it happened and you know, it's, it's worked out better than I think anybody even, even anticipated, even if you were bullish on it, which like I, I certainly was at the, at the time, I didn't quite think he was going to be, you know, 60% expected goals percentage good, but, but he's, but he's been, he's been as he's been great. That's I um I think I said last week that it's definitively this is not an opinion. Jim Rutherford would, would not have traded for Jeff Carter. And somebody, I can't remember who, replied to me saying he probably would have traded for Jeff Skinner instead. <laughs> he'd have he'd have found a way. Like he would have he he would have cleared space to add, you know, the the worst contract in in, in the sport for sure. Like he's always the the Rutherford Skinner reunion was something everybody was always kind of anticipating. Cause that is, that's I mean like that's it, it, not, and I can't remember who said it, but I'm like, damn, that's a Jim Rutherford move. You can see from I, he had, miles away, but nobody would expect. Rutherford ha- has his guys, man. He he always has. You're like, he's gonna go out and he's gonna go out and get, you know, someone who he's traded for already, or some someone who he knew from Carolina. That's that's just the way it goes. You you you, you got the vibe that he was really familiar with, you know. 30 players in the league and and that's and that's kind of where he drew all his moves from so yeah man carter carter was a special case i i think you know all all credit in the world to hextall for 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 pulling it off because it was it was uh i mean i think just just think about how surprising it was like when it happened a we hadn't heard anything about it which which is a change that's that's another pivot point for rutherford is that we would have heard we would have heard you know through the grapevine from five different people that they were looking at Jeff Carter Hexall moved in silence on, on that one kept up the dialogue for weeks or, or, or however long it took. And then, and then pulled it off. And that was it. It, it was one, it was one really good move. That was, that, that had no run up to it. And that, that was a wild, it was, a, it was a wild switch from what we've gotten used to over the last, you know, six years or five years or whatever. Well, and before we get into the comparison of who the Islanders went out and got, breaking here on the pod, we have a first-round schedule. Hey, now. Game one will be Sunday at noon in Pittsburgh. And then game two is set for 7.30 on Tuesday. Game three is set for Thursday at 7 p.m. And then game four is at 3 p.m. on Saturday. Hmm. Next Saturday. So okay. at, three, at 3 p.m., Time slot stinks. Games five through no. seven are TBD. 
So we have four games, four games in six days. That's the that's the upshot. All right, I, I think that's about that's about what we were expecting. I mean, we're recording this on you know it's about lunchtime on on Thursday, and we 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 talked before that it seemed like it seemed like noon was was going to happen. I know I know a lot of people a lot of people hate those matinee starts. Selfishly, selfishly, I I do not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean that's, that also feels like it's kind of just become lore for lore's sake like oh they're they're bad at noon starts and it's like you look at the the record and it's like they're not actually bad we just always remember when they sucked at noon yeah i i I think it's more that they've uh, you know when when they've been bad they've been they've been really bad and i you know so those are the ones those are the ones that stick out yeah i'm a little triggered by um i went to a tampa bay game in 2011 that was an afternoon start and they lost eight to two i remember a game against the canucks i want to say in like 2013 where like a couple guys got hurt and they lost you know six one or, or or whatever it was yeah so i definitely had it just kind of imprinted in my brain that they that, that that they suck uh in matinee starts for the last you know eight years or or, or whatever it's been Boy, doesn't, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem to be all that true anymore it's reaching back but i mean i mm-hmm. like when Malkin scored that Mario-esque goal against Tampa Bay, that was a noon game. Like, and they just ran Tampa out of the building after the first period. It's not. Uh, this isn't. You know, you can't treat the playoffs the same way you treat a a February Sunday game against uh, a, a, against the Rangers or whatever. That's just not. That's just not. The, it's not the way it works. I mean, I, I know everyone's grasping for straws and trying to find. You know, reasons to pick this team or that team, or or, or reasons you know, get like gambling advantages or, or or whatever it is. But that's that's a that's a false flag. <laughs> well, so we talked about Carter and how good of an acquisition he's been. Let's take a look over at the Islanders, who there was a lot of fanfare around them getting Palmieri and Zajac at the deadline because it seemed like those guys would fill in for what they didn't have, and it's kind of been the opposite between the two of them. They've produced three goals, three assists for six points in 17 games for Paul Mary and 13 for Zajac. So that kind of that blew up on him. Yeah, much Paul like, Mary, much like oh, sorry, go ahead. <clears throat> Paul Mary's the one that that doesn't that, that I'm that I wasn't expecting. Like like Zajac's pretty well cooked. I think that's I think that's fair to say. He's, he's, he was a nice guy to have, and if you look at those deals, like it's kind of two separate ones. It was like Travis Zajac for a fourth rounder or whatever it is. Like that sounds. That sounds about right, but Palmieri, you know, as the as the Anders Lee replacement, as a power play component on a unit that had struggled pretty pretty significantly, you're like, okay, this seems this seems like it's going to work, and it it really it really hasn't. Yeah, I was going to say much like um, Jim Rutherford, those were very very Lou Lamorello trades. Oh, um, absolutely, you're not going to replace a guy like Anders Lee, but they have not even come close to filling that void. No, and I think you're. I think you're right on on Zajac. Like he 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 used to be a pretty solid player. Used to have used to be a guy you could ticket for fifteen twenty goals a year, and he's just he's not that guy anymore. And if if you're picking him up to be fourth line, you know maybe he'll chip in two or three. Great, but if you're going to put him in a middle six role at his age and his his experience. That's just not who he is anymore. And I mean, I won. I won a fantasy league because of Travis Ajak. It was it was his first. It was his first couple years, and he had like, you know, four shorthanded goals or whatever it was. I mean, he's 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 been a he was a good player for a long time. He's not a guy you want to rely on. But 
Palmieri, especially man, especially on the power play, he's 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 been one of the better guys there in the league over over the last few years. Really felt like he was going to bring something to that, and it create it it kind of cratered with him on it. They've looked better recently. Oliver Wallstrom is a is is a young guy who's you know done some done some positive stuff. Uh, you know, at, at five on four for them, like over the last month or whatever. So maybe stuff stuff's trending upwards, but. Yeah, as like an immediate fit and, and an obvious piece uh, that has not that has not worked out as they as as they intended. Well, I know it's uh, a year where we can't really make heads or tails of anything, but what the hell? We're we're people that talk about sports, so let's do it anyway. Any kind of predictions on this series from you two? Uh, pens and six is very pens and six is so boring i it is but it feels like a six game series yeah it it, feels like it it, it feels feels like like a six game they'll take the islanders will take one on the island just like book that like they're gonna it'll probably be game three like it'll be that return there's gonna be fans it's gonna be that atmosphere and kind of like we talked about like the environmental factor like that's that's just gonna give them a boost and in I think given the way the year has gone, that might shell shock even the guys who've been in the league for a while because you just, you've played 56 games or however many you played throughout this year in either silence or not much noise. And a half capacity Nassau Coliseum is going to be out of their minds. Yeah. And, I and think six, I, six, six games is boring, but you don't want to be just like we talked about. You don't want to pick say five and come off as a Hummer. But right. you might not think it goes seven. So it's going to be. It feels like a six-game series that's never tied. Like not all six-game series are created equal. Some are some are tougher than others. So I I feel like it's going to be one of those ones where, you know, they go up two zero, then lose a game, then go up, then go up three one. Like and, and that's sort of that's sort of the way it sort of the way it works out. So it'll be a, a relative. I'm going relatively easy easy six-game series. There's just no real reason other than you know, <clears throat> anticipating psychological scars on, on, on the part of Mike Sullivan against Barry Trotz, which like you always got to be hesitant to do. Like I, there's no real reason to, to, to pick the Islanders in this. Honestly, there isn't, they've, they, they were the worst team, you know, really through, I mean, a, they were the worst team in, in, in the season series B they haven't played since whatever, it feels like Thanksgiving at this point. It was, it was the end of, it was the end of January, I, I believe is when, is when that closed out. It's a weird, a weird kind of scheduling quirk. So since then, you know, the Islanders have turned it down. Where the the Penguins, you know, magically built a third line, and and all all the all, all this stuff's kind of the ship has righted for for Pittsburgh over the course of the last over the last few weeks. So there's there's no real reason to to pick the Islanders uh, other than being, you know, kind of uh, d- d- deliberately. You know, like just kind of going against the grain on purpose. Like I sincerely think this is this is going to be a five five or six game series. Well, yeah, and I'll just to be the guy. I'll say five, just because I think the thing that I don't yeah. know if I fully believe in five. Like I think I'm with you guys on six, but just the way the Islanders have limped in, like, mm-hmm. like it reminds me a little bit of the Penguins teams of the past couple of years where it's like, they're in, but they're not in like you, you, like they're like, it's a cliche because it's true to steal what you said, Sean, like you want to get hot going into the playoffs. And while the Penguins haven't been, you know, 
looking like the 2016 team where it became a question of when, not if, but they they have come in relatively on a good streak and they look like they've got their shit figured out and save for Malkin, the guys you're getting back, you don't have they don't like a guy like Tanev they're not going to need like two, three games to get their stride back. Tanev is shot out of a cannon when he wakes up in the morning. Like he, it for all intents and purposes, has been the Hornquist replacement. <clears throat> yeah, and and it's a shame for the Islanders too. Honestly, like they were they were legitimately fun to watch. They were a much better five on five team with with Anders Lee, and you know that's a big that's a that's a big time loss. Yeah, I, I think it's it's fair to say that they're that they're limping to the finish line here. Things would have been different if, you know, they were playing this if they were playing this series at the beginning of February or whatever it is, but they're not. <laughs> yeah. And instead of uh cuz we're we're not running too long, but just so we don't go all day here, instead of going through all the other matchups, uh what's what are some of the ones you guys are looking at that you really want to see? I would like the Capitals and Bruins to beat the living hell out of one another for seven very long games. That is that is going to be the most conflicting series for hockey fans because on one side you got Tom Wilson, on the other Brad Marchand. So people yeah. are just going to be like, "Oh, okay, I guess." Uh, no, uh, you. Uh, I hate him. No, but I also hate him, and he sucks. And oh God, what do I do? Yeah. Also, if we if we do get uh, Maple Leafs Canadians, as it looks like, I mean, the Maple Leafs should take that easily. But we know how things work. So, yeah, the the Canadians are agents of chaos. I, I think Dom Dom basically wrote this in our rankings, which haven't which haven't they're dropping tomorrow. But I mean, you go back like go back to go back to 2010, right? I mean, I know I know everyone hates revisiting that, but like just when you think. When when you think they don't have a prayer is 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 when they is when they wreak havoc. So that that'd be Go hilarious. Back to last year, yeah, last I, yeah, last yeah. Year. Oh God, yeah. I mean, of of, of course. Um, the other one that I I hope I hope it happens too, and it's not quite locked in because um, we got another day of games, but it does seem like we're gonna get Vegas Minnesota in the first round. That is a sneaky tough series for the Golden Knights. They have not been good against against Minnesota this year. They've lost five out of out of eight games. The Wild the Wild are playing well again. All all of a sudden, you know, I'm not sure I would pick the Wild in that series. In fact, I I I know that I won't. But I think that that's gonna that has the potential to be to be a lot of fun. So we could get a we we could get a fun uh, a fun slate of like nine o'clock and ten o'clock you know, starts there, which is like great fingers crossed that, 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 that happens. And I, I think it could, but if there is a team in the West, not named Colorado, that can give Vegas a hard time. I cannot believe oh, absolutely. Like if, if you go back six months and tell me this, I'd say I was nuts, but it's mm-hmm. Minnesota. Like of all the teams, it's wild. Give I know Vegas, uh, a, a handful is Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, so God, series, you look at, that, so that's, so that series could be wild. Ugh. Ugh. Pat Pat is face palming right and, now, and, and, and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Sorry, I listened. I listened to your your buddy Ryan Lambert on Puck Soup this morning, and somebody made that same pun, and that was Ryan's response. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 very familiar with Ryan's exasperated size. I've 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 gotten a few of those over the years for sure. Yeah, that's what I want to see, and and kind of just like as an overarching thought on the playoffs for me, like. Pretty much every series that lines up, and you know, um, this is going to get clipped and thrown in my face if anything happens. 
Penguins Islanders is the only one where I feel confident in saying like, yeah, this is the team that'll win. Like in looking at the Penguins, because Montreal agents of chaos, like Toronto, like as much as good as Toronto is and should be, like if bubble Toronto or bubble Montreal shows up, that could be a problem. Yeah, uh, if you look at. Uh, if you, the other the other Canadian matchup that's probably going to happen is Edmonton Winnipeg, is is incredible as McDavid and Drysaitel are. If Vesna winning Connor Hellebuck shows up, that's yeah. a problem. I think the only the only dud again. This is something that's going to get clipped and thrown in my face too. The the only dud on the schedule it seems like it's going to be Avs Blues because the Blues are the Blues are in there by default. Like it, it, the, the 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 wheels fell off. Uh, the wheels fell off with the with the Coyotes there, so some some team had had to make it in fourth. It really seems like the Blues have just been biding their time, seeing whether they lose in four to the Avs or whether they lose in four to the four to the Knights. So I'm, I'm not I'm I'm not picking them to do much. But other than that, man, you look at you look at the central matchups. Those are those are sneak those are sneaky sneaky tough too. We're gonna have the the battle of Florida in the first round. That's going to be, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. We got a, we could, we got a good first round slate, man. I I, I don't know if I was anticipating that, but yeah, it doesn't do. look like there's any like bad series. You don't want to watch. Well, yeah, you mean, can talk yourself, you can talk yourself into the lopsided ones for, for various other reasons, yeah. right? Like, like we just, we just did it with, with Montreal and in, in, in Toronto. Like there's, there's no real reason to think that that's going to be competitive other than the fact that, this is just what the Canadians do. So that's that's reason enough to care. It's reason reason enough to pay attention and be excited about. And that's a, that's that's really all that's really all all you can ask for. Like, like you could see that series starting with a fifty eight save Carey Price game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If if uh, if, if bubble Carey Price shows up, then then look out. Well, yeah. I mean, the only two teams I I see in, that are in the playoffs right now that are cannon fodder are the Predators mm-hmm. and the Blues. Like they're they're there because they needed a fourth seed and. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Soros pulls something out of his ass, but I'm I'm not. I think that's I think that's really also. By the way, dap to dap to UC Soros because he's been he's been really good. Like he's going to show up on Vesna ballots and he, and he's going to deserve it. But yeah, they're yeah. Sor- but Soros, I, drunk, you can't. Drunk that I, Nashville team. Yeah, I, like if if they can if it, if if he can drag them to a <laughs> to whatever seven games in, in in the first round, then God bless them. It just it doesn't feel like that's going to happen. And I don't think Rod the Bod would let that happen with a. No, I, I love, I love, I love the Hurricanes, man. I, I bought, I, I bought early on them, so I'm, I, I'm the last person on earth who's gonna, who's, who's gonna pick the Preds against them. But yeah, it's, it's uh, I, like I said, it's, it's better than you'd expect, given, given how many crap fourth seeds are, are, are in there. So I'll let you guys pick this one for the last topic before Mike shuffles the papers and we hear from the people. <laughs> Do we want to talk about? the season that McDavid had, or do we want to talk about his counterpart in Buffalo, Jack Eichel wanting the hell out? <laughs> is, is Eichel, is Eichel on like a train from Buffalo to New York already? Like when's that, when's that, when's that going to happen? I have like, I've long since as a fan of hockey wanted there to be more personality and honesty in the NHL. And you got yeah. that from Eichel like no other this week. Yeah, man, that was, that was, that was assassin stuff from him. He was, he was very, very measured and and very direct. I, I, uh, I, 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 I appreciated that. So, um, now, so now serious question I have, if you're the Rangers and you are going to try and go out and get Jack Eichel, do you wait to hire a coach and see if you land Jack Eichel and get his input? Since clearly 
there's a disconnect between him and Buffalo and kind of make him feel more at home being the guy here. I think it's pretty funny that you saw them can David Quinn yesterday. Yeah. Like I, like who's Eichel's college coach. And you know, that, that was part of the reason that everybody has been penciling him in there for the last, you know, calendar year or whatever it's been. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I think, you know, you're going to see them go out and, because also that's that's a really attractive job, you know. They're, wh- whether they have Jack Eichel or not, like the the cupboards the cupboards are loaded. So yeah, they're going to end up hiring Galan or whatever. They're going to bring back John Tortorella. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I'm very I'm very disappointed. You know you know what I want more than anything is Torts on TV. Let's do it, baby. Yes. Yeah. Welcome welcome in, welcome him into the media core with open arms. I'm I'm demanding it. He would. He can would we can we get him team. on? Can can we get him on for the postseason for Penguins games? <laughs> whatever, what, whatever it takes. He did. He did work for TSN, I think, in between coaching jobs, and he was he was fantastic. So I'm all I'm all for it. I hope selfishly hope he doesn't because he wants to coach again. By the way, like Torts isn't you know he's not ready to take a TV job. I just hope I, I just hope he misses out on on a couple coaching jobs and gets forced <laughs> into it. That'd be great. Well, and like. I really enjoyed the the ports line piece that they had about talking to the guys who left Columbus. Like my only gripe of it was that I was kind of hoping they'd get somebody who did leave on bad terms, just as kind of that control group of like, like okay, is this, yeah. it, it, but like just in general, like is does this guy actually have an axe to grind or was he legitimately pissed off? As opposed to the guys who kind of were like, uh, you know, it's it's not horrible. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Like just to kind of see like find where that truth is in the middle, but. I mean, the one of the only positives I can really see that came out of that is that the guys who left were like, the one thing I did respect about him is you knew where you stood. Like, there was no, like, if you're the guy, you get treated with kid gloves. If you're not the guy, you're getting benched and yelled at. And I do think there is a legitimate belief among players. Like, I'd rather know that, like, we're all on equal footing and not like, okay, well, I'm going to baby this guy and I'm going to come down hard on the other guy. So, like, that's – but other than that, like, he coaches to the bubble. That's That's his calling card. Yep. You know what, you know, he's going to treat everybody the same. And I, I think that's, that's a, that's a benefit in a, <clears throat> in a drawback, right? Like some, some guys respond well to, to his coaching style and, you know, then you have the Pierre-Luc Dubois of, of the world and that's, and that's no knock. It's just different personality types. And I think that's, you know, again, you know what you're getting from torts, but you also know that there's guys that just, it's not, it's not going to work with. So yeah, it's a, uh, he's not, he's not an easy fit for, for everywhere. You know, again, the most important thing is we just find a way to get him on TV. <laughs> and, I, and I've said it on this on this show before, and I, I've kind of noticed it over the past couple of years that I've been coaching. Like, it's just a generational disconnect. Like, there used to mm-hmm. be something to be said for the you know the hard ass, the disciplinarian guy, which w- w- worked when pro athlete wasn't a, wasn't really a full time job. Like, pro athlete's a full time job now, but. Like mm-hmm. the, 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 the players coming up now want to be coached. Like they want to, they want your coach to say like, here's what you're doing. Here's what you can do better. And here's how to do it. Not just you suck, get on the goal line. We're skating. Yeah. And that's, and that's a fundamental difference. I think for Tortorella, <clears throat> even now versus five years ago or seven years ago, we were talking about him dealing with Ryan Callahan and Dan Girardi and these, these dudes who would, you know, run through a wall for, for Tortorella and did and probably shorten their careers because of it. Like those guys responded better to it. Right. And I, I think that's, I think that's not, not, not to get too far 
off topic here, but that's the difference between like a good boss and, and, and a mediocre boss is like, you have someone who can work with different, with different personality types and, and, and manage according to that versus someone saying like, up, oh, this is, this is, this is the way I do things for, for, for everybody. Like, I think, I think knowing what guys respond to and kind of tailoring your shit accordingly to it is, is there's something to be said for that. And lo- like, love him or hate him. Tortorella is, Tortorella is not that guy. No. You got the papers ready to go, Mike? Oh, I sure do. Let's hear from the people. All right. Uh, Let's see. First question is from Jake. What is the best spice? Not spice blend, but just best spice. That's a boy. That's I, I did not do research on that one. <laughs> Lemon pepper. That's, That's a good one. You can throw that, you can throw that got, shit in uh, everything. I got smoked paprika. Ooh. I'd probably go with cayenne. It's a good one too. That's good. You can add some heat. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I go with lemon pepper cause you can just throw it in like horrible microwave shit and, and kind of, and kind of make it kind of make it taste better. Yeah. That doesn't have the, you know, if, if you're watching sodium and you're an old man, it doesn't have the sodium issues that like some hot sauces do. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I got or, or, or like, uh, hot sauce. Or, or spice mixes. I say this, I say this as, as I look at the bottle of Cholula on, 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 on my desk, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Brad asks, where do you rank Jeff Carter among deadline acquisitions during the Crosby Malkin era? Oof. I, I mean, I, I don't, I hate to fence it on it, but I, you got to rank it incomplete. Yeah. Right? You got to see how this postseason yeah. goes. I was gonna say I'll tell you in two to four weeks. I'll tell you, man. Like I, it's the air. The arrow's pointing up. I think we just spent you know whatever fifteen minutes t- talking about talking about how great he was. <clears throat> I don't even like who would. Okay, so the best deadline acquisitions of the Krause Malkin era. We're talking. We're talking Garen. Mm-hmm. We're talking Hosen Dupuis. Mm-hmm. Um. What are the like? Like really, what were like all of Rutherford's best work happened? You know, it happened in the off season when it like Kessel, Ron, Kessel, Ron, Kessel, Kessel and Hornquist. Yeah, Hainsey's a good, a good, a good kind of. He's a he's a eye of the beholder thing, right? Where where you're like he was he was fine was was he fine because just someone needed to play? They just they needed a warm body, and the dude the dude did his job for sure. I, he also clown he clown James Neal too. Does does Daily Scuderi is not a deadline deal? That doesn't count. No. That was that was in December, in Thanksgiving, or whenever, or whenever, or whenever it was. I would so say I, I would think say like, like as far as deadline moves, because like you just said, Daily Scuderi was way way pre trade deadline. Mm-hmm. As far as deadline moves go, I'd say it's one of the savviest because you just didn't see it coming and it fit really well. Yeah, it was. I mean, we said it before, but it's not like. You know, let's just flip Dominic Cahoon because we need we need to have some sort of shake up in our in our forward group. Like I it's it's top I mean, whatever. We'll say top five with 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 the potential of yeah. of, of, of rising higher. I, I think I'm comfortable saying that at least. Uh, Jake asked who's the best Gaudreau in the NHL right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be Frederick, right? I mean I looked at numbers. He has more points in nineteen games with the Penguins than he did in eighty four games with the Predators. 
That's I know we got a I know we got a grade on a curve here because he hasn't been with him all that long, but he looks he looks really good with Carter and McCann. Like he's it's just a he's just a solid depth player. And, and that's that's another like staple of the Crosby Malkin era that they just plucked guy and oh, he yeah. showed up and decided to be something. He's he's in the pantheon of Mark Donks. He's he's a he is cert, he is certainly the leading Mark Donk on this yeah. on, on this team. I mean, you got to remember too, like. I, I mean, whatever. I wasn't the only person to write this, but ahead of the trade deadline, you're like, do they really need another center? Like, could they just could could they just could they just play the could they just play the Bluger line as, as the third line, and then you know, early returns on Gaudreau were good. You're like, could they maybe just like cobble some shit together on on, on the fourth line with this guy? It, it kind of felt like it would work, and now and now he's playing right wing. It's really cool because you have three dudes who who are. De- more than center capable they're all centers by trade really i don't know man that feels like that feels like it could work i i'm not going to say that i would rather have freddie than johnny at this point just in general but the gap is a lot more narrow than i think we would have anticipated yeah, and, and and like you said with that line they can all cheat and get kicked out of the circle and it doesn't matter doesn't matter um kevin reuter asks who's your favorite villain can be fiction or non-fiction hmm I don't know. Did did either of you guys? I, I I think you did, Mike. I don't know if you did, Sean. So, did you guys watch Sons of Anarchy? No. Yeah. Zobel is one of my favorite TV villains. He was uniquely awful. I don't know his name in the movie, but the bad guy in Sudden Death is up there. <laughs> yeah. What one. is his name in the movie? The, the Secret Service know. agent. I have no idea. I'm saying this as someone who wrote like fucking ten thousand. Yes. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying this as someone who, who wrote like 10,000 words on, on sudden death over, over the course of the pandemic. I'm honestly not even sure what that guy's name I don't is. Think anybody, I don't think anybody knows his name in the movie. Um, Marlo from the wire. Ooh, that's a good one. Like you can, I, you, I, got I've your, got, I've you got your, you got your, you got your, you got, you got your, you got your pick of guys of guys there. Um, I've been like, this is so boring, but I've been doing a Simpsons rewatch on Disney plus and I'm on like season five. I forgot how burns heavy season five was how, how, how many, how many Mr. Burns centric uh, episodes there, that there are there. So he's, he's gotta be, he's, he's gotta be in the discussion. Was it, was this TV or, or, or really, or, or anything, anything. Oh man. You know, it's not a traditional villain. It's something that I remember reading. Um, the reason on Family Guy that they're so cruel to Meg is the early seasons before they got canceled, they made a bunch of Meg-centric episodes. So, like, <laughs> the, the joke to come back was, like, anytime she talks, they're going to give her shit. I so, didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm... I, I, th- I think I'm happy with that, though. Marlo, Marlo and Mr. Burns, those are, yeah. those are two scary dudes. Um, Deesh asks, and this is a good question... Um, what player from the 2009 Penguins roster would you add to the current team, but they cannot replace an older version of themselves? So you can't have young Sidney Crosby take mm. place of older Sidney Crosby, and the player cannot have made an All Star team. Oh my God! So if I understand that, nuke, that nukes my first choice. So if I understand that right, like it has to be pre- like them in the present day. I believe it would be them in 2009. You can't just say like I want you know, 22 year old Sidney Crosby or whatever. Oh, so it's like, if, if like we transported back to Oh nine, like who would you want? But they yeah. can't have made an all-star team. 
Kunitz make an all-star team? <sighs> Kunitz did oh. at some point. That's a, that's a, uh, my answer. My initial answer was ruled out by one all-star game. It was Peter Sikora. He made the all-star game once. That's not bad. So my, my alternate choice was Mark Eaton. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, give me a, I'll take, I'll take TK. You can throw throw yeah. th- throw, throw Tyler way. Kennedy on a on a third or fourth line. I feel like I feel like maybe him and him and uh, him in twenty twenty one would be a, a little a little bit different than than two thousand nine. I got to check to see if this player made an All Star game. Wait, did Dupuy make an All Star game? Mm. I mean, the, the I like he really he barely played in the playoffs. That's probably worth that's probably worth worth noting. He was like a. He was a spare part in, in yeah, 2009. It was, it was a couple years later that things took off. I, I don't think he was. Oh man, I don't think he was an. All-star. I don't think he made I don't an think so. Team. I'll take dude. Yeah, I'll I'll take him. You you drop him in somewhere. Like you got the you got the 2009 Pascal Dupuis skating. Yeah, that's actually that's actually my pick. I can't on a quick Google. I can't see if you made an All Star game, so that my answer might be null and void. But give me Ruslan Fedotenko. Yeah, baby, Rusty. We'll take him. It's a deep um, team. That team was. I'm really going. Good. So this next question, I don't write much, so I'm going to just deflect this to Sean for the most part. Uh, what's your writing process for an average article? What's your favorite and least favorite part of it? Oh man, Mike, our um, entire job is writing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not about hockey, though. I'm of the mindset that if you have a good lead and a good kicker, that everything else in the middle can kind of kind of go by the wayside. Like if you start out strong and finish strong, you can screw up in the middle and nobody or uh, nobody will really figure it out. The thing I do always at the end of like when I'm done, when I have something that could easily be turned in, you know, and, and published is I go back and try to punch stuff up. Like I, I go and I add jokes or whatever, just add like add asides or parentheticals or whatever. And you can tell because that's why my stuff is so discursive and has a lot of M dashes and parentheses and stuff. But I just try to go back and add some, add some, add some laugh lines. If, if, if nothing else, that's always the part I enjoy the most is trying to find specific parts where you can kind of inject inject something that that, that wasn't there before and try, try to make it a try to make it a, a little bit better but yeah the um lead lead kicker and then just and then just punch up at the at the end your stuff can be mediocre in the middle and nobody will know what's your least favorite part i'm bad at idea generation um ahead of time like i i'm reactive and i yeah, come up with here. Yeah. I come up with decent stuff like in the moment and you know, once I, once I get rolling on something, it could lead to other things. But if you're like, let's think about something that needs to run in two weeks. I'm not, I'm not great at that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm more reactive than I, than I should be even, even this far into my career. Like a guy like Rossi, Rossi's just like, this dude is just like, has story after story after story, like uh, too many of them basically he has too much shit that he wants to do and ends up passing it along to me which is which is which is good anytime he keeps, any keeps a little tablet so he gets an idea and scribbles it down i honestly yeah like 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 rossi's rossi's got lists of stuff and me and me and josh just kind of pick pick stuff off it yep anytime rossi comes out with a narrative like a straight up story i, mm-hmm. I will set aside whatever time is necessary to read that because he crushes them. yeah man we got a we got a great example of that today that was him and him and josh with the with the crosby malkin friendship stuff i'm so glad that finally published because i was so tired of hearing about it but it it turned out it turned out 
great. And that was, that was a whole lot of Rob. So yeah, man, whenever, whenever he digs into one, it's, it's, it's must, it's, it's must read stuff always. I was going to say one of the, like one of the things for me for writing when I was still doing a good bit for Penn's blog, I remember right. I wrote two pieces about like player discipline and all mm-hmm. the, around all the Tom Wilson stuff. And like they were, are the, it, when it's something that I'm really into, like really like want to dig in and write and have an opinion on like that, like I, I can start writing on it. Next thing I know I've wrote, I've written 1500 words and I'm like, holy shit, mm-hmm. I, I got a lesson this like this. There's too much. here. Yep. Always the self editing is, is important, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like I, cold calling people is terrible. That's a, that's a very odd, that's something that, that, that very few people like, like that's something that I've had to do more over the last, over the last year or two is just kind of randomly calling people and asking them, asking them about whatever. And just knowing that, that someone is like, what, what's this, what's this about? I don't really want to talk to you. That can be, that can, that can be daunting. Actually, actually dialing the phone and, uh, and, and committing to that conversation is never, is never all that easy. You're always better off for it, but the actual act of, of, uh, of, of, of making the phone call can, can be tough too. I don't think anybody's ever actually like dialing the phone ever. Like, I, like I'm he, only, I'm only getting worse with it too. Uh, let's see. Mark has two questions. One says he's going to IUP for grad school and is looking for recommendations of places to eat or drink. Hey. Well, I guess that, that one's directed at me since I'm the Correct. IUP alum. <laughs> Correct. Uh, the places you need to go to eat, the best pizza is Romeo's on Oakland Avenue. That place is it, – it, it is up there for me with, like, some of the best pizza joints in Pittsburgh. Like, it's really good. But hmm. it's it's a little pricey, so it's not something you're going to get all the time. It's But when you can go there and spring on some Romeo's pizza, that's your place. Uh, the best Sunday hangover food is 9th Street Deli. Like, go up to 9th Street and get a cheesesteak. Like, they, it's one of those places literally – a whole uh, uh, a half sub is twelve inches. A hole is twenty four. So <laughs> it's it's worth every single penny. And they have Turner's tea up there. So don't sleep on that. There you go. And um, I think Wolfie's Bar has since closed since I've been there. Uh, but that was a great spot for wing on their uh, for wings on their wing night. And I'm pretty sure Al Patty's is a bar that's still up there. Go there for steak night. Their steak is really good. That's and how you know. That's how you know you're getting old, dude. Is when is when the places you used to hang out in college start to close. Yeah. Like if someone asked me for someone asked me for, asked me for food recs. I, I went to University of Maryland. Someone asked me for food recs in College Park, and I was just like, no, nope, that place is closed. And that place is closed. And not like eh, I don't know. That just, place is something else different now. Ah, uh, yeah. Hit hit Yelp, dude. I I don't know how much I can help you here. Well, in the, in the place that that shut down, that I said I'm not surprised. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like they damn near paid you to drink. Nice. And yeah. Mark's second question is: What wrestling move would you do to Tom Wilson if you could? He, he, <laughs> he says he thinks he deserves a few Stone Cold stunners. And that's that's the obvious answer. I would I would re- he almost gave uh, Pavel Buchnevich a, a, a pedigree. <laughs> so I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll return the favor on that. That'd be fun. So I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to answer, but I'm not going to put, put him in the move. I'm going to have the wrestler put him in the move. That'd be more entertaining. I, I thought that was implied. Yeah. I, yeah I'm not, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be, uh, Tom, Tom Wilson is, you know, six gonna, inches taller and a hundred pounds heavier than me. I don't, I don't, I don't I, think I'm, I'm doing much of that dude. I'd like to see him put in the camel clutch by the iron cheek present day, <laughs> present day even would be good. 
Call up, make him humble. <laughs> call up Dwayne, have him hit him with a couple rock bottoms. Again, that's that's one. He kind of pulled a rock. He came yeah. close to rock bottoming Panarin. So yeah, man, you just have you just have have some dudes re- return the favor. I, I I think that's a reasonable request. Which I I I watched it a couple weeks ago. That A and E documentary on Stone Cold was like so good. They do a good job on those, right? Like I, I've heard, I've heard good things about about uh, about the A and E WWE stuff. Honestly, well, they did, they just did one on Macho Man, didn't they? Well, they're they're doing like a five, it's either like a four or five part series where it's all like some of the biggest names, like it's Stone Cold, Macho Man, uh, Ultimate Warrior, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and the Stone Cold one because with everything in the world, there's always a Pittsburgh connection. Mm-hmm. He was talking about like the like turning into stone cold from stunning Steve Austin with mm-hmm. WWE. And he goes like, yeah, there was one night we were in Pittsburgh and I was looking in the mirror and I still had some of that buzz cut hair and I was at Mellon arena. So I just took a razor and shaved the head and put the goatee. And I was like, because of course that happened in Pittsburgh. Naturally. <laughs> Naturally. Okay. And last question from Moritz is a three parter. Good Lord. First, they're bringing it first. Week. First, who is the penguins X factor? If they're going to win a Stanley cup. It's got to be Jared McCann. Like, he, <laughs> he he is, like, he's that guy that everybody, when we first got him, were like, this guy's great. I can't believe two teams let him go. And he cratered for a little bit, and he's right back to where everybody thought he would be. Jared McCann's nickname should actually be the X Factor. I feel like we've been saying, we've been saying this about him since the, since the day they traded for him, yeah. right? Like, if yeah. he's... If he's the dude who we've seen for the last uh, three months, I, I think I, I think they're in much 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 better, better better shape. And how hands. about how about how about Mike Matheson? Yeah, if he can if he can avoid complete meltdowns, then I, I think I, you know he's an ultimate kind of risk reward guy. So if, if he stays on the right side of that. You know, for a protracted amount of time, I I, I think they're gonna, they're going to be much much better for it. I think a good under the radar answer for this would be Pedersen, because he's been pretty oh, totally he's been pretty good at like under the radar, been pretty good the last month, and if he keeps that up, like that makes a formidable decor better. And not just that he's been good for the last couple months; it's also that he's been bad. He was bad for most of the season before that, so he went from being you know, a major, major question mark, you know, if you would have asked in whatever March, like what, like what's, what's going to be their problem. I, I think he would have been at the, at the top of the list, but he's, he's, he's ready the ship as of late. And yeah, if he can keep that going, man, I, I think, I think that's a pretty good call. Okay. Second part, who is going to step up because the postseason fits them best? I mean, Tan has the obvious answer, right? I, I think or Jeff Carter. Dude, I I was sold. I this this is like, pro, I was probably a little late on being sold on Jeff Carter, but he might have been Canada's best forward in, at the 2014 Olympics. He was he was unbelievable. He was playing on a he was playing on a third line, just you know, sk- skating his bag off, just back checking and doing all all sorts of crazy stuff. While also, by the way, playing like Jeff Carter. So that's when I was like, God, oh, this guy is this guy is you know. <laughs> he's a winner baby that was that was that was when i was sold so if, if he brings that sort of stuff like even though he's 36 now or or, or, or whatever yeah I, I think he's he's a more well-rounded player i think than people even realize if when, when the situation calls for it at least yeah i i feel like i wasn't expecting him to have as good of a regular season as he did but you kind of felt like okay they make the playoffs 
he's the guy who's going to score like a scrappy goal in overtime to win a game. Totally. This is operating under the assumption he he returns to form. Gino, like yeah, like like if he if he gets to even eighty percent of that just bully that Rob always says he can be, like that's a guy who. For all the knocks he gets for whatever made-up narrative people have about him, when he decides to turn it on and be the big dude, like, that's... Look out. And last totally agree. Question, last question is, who will underperform for the team? Hmm. Uh, whether he whether he does or not, people will say Chris Tang underperformed. Uh, I, I I don't know if I'm mentally ready for for you another. Know, you know, and I know it though. I know, no, I know. It's it's gonna it's gonna happen. They're they're either gonna win and say that he didn't matter, or they're gonna lose and, and blame him for yes. it. That's always that's the reigning that's the reigning kind I, of narrative. I, I still love when he when he went out and said, "I'll try to make no mistakes from now on." Yeah, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> I was around for that. That was that was a that was a fun day. Can we just say the power play? Just like just like in yeah. general, like yeah, I like it feels answer. like. It feels like that's going to be if that if that really goes if that reverts to February form or or, or whatever it is you can see stuff get going bad in a hurry a and b people completely losing their mind over it and blaming some combination of Malkin and Latang and 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 whoever else yeah that's that's kind of a cop out answer but I I, I feel like I, I feel like that's where I'm at. I yeah, like a, a scenario where they they lose in seven and go one for sixteen on the power play. In the mm-hmm. Absolutely, no, that's that's always in the cards. I have like a couple of answers, but I'm lukewarm on them. Like the the obvious to me is Jari, just because he's unproven. Mm-hmm. Like he, we don't know what he's going to be like in the postseason. But that's also kind of a cop out because you're doing like you know you made the joke about Carter, like he's a winner, baby. Like mm-hmm. we, we don't we don't know what Jari's like in the postseason. And then the other is someone mm-hmm. that like we keep saying a regressions on the way and it has never come. And that's Brian rust. Like, like, I don't think it's yeah. going to happen. Cause like, he's given me literally no proof to think it, but like similar to what we said early in the episode, like you got those psychological and mental scars of like <sighs> somebody that you were like, he's going to dominate and be so good. And then the time comes and you're like, where the fuck did he go? Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you, man. There's always that asterisk next to Brian. I, I love, and I love, I love Brian rust. The dude works so hard the fact the the player that he's turned himself into it's it's remarkable but like that was the issue with him and we're not not even talking about last year even because like that whatever everybody went in the tank against against the Habs that just is what it is but you know 2016 2017 like what was the book on Brian Russ it's like he scores goals in bunches and then disappears for 15 where it's like you know you're just getting no offensive production out of him at all and we all remember that we all saw it and i i think there is some element of you know you're kind of waiting for the bubble to pop there even though it's been whatever two two seasons now where where where, where it kind of has yet to happen but he he you're right he like he turned himself from middle six energy guy to a legitimate nhl scorer which i mean brian rust i mean seriously brian rust was the inspiration behind the mark donk tweet like honestly, like like it was like 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 Rust and, and Sherry were like the guys where it's like oh yeah Buzz Flibbit and and, and Mark Tom, <laughs> and now but and now it's like I oh, know Brian Russ is a legitimate top line winger and he's and he's and he's gonna get paid again like so so he's he's transcended that I but I think everyone does kind of you know I think there is still whether you want to 
admit it or not, there is still that sort of desire to treat him like a like a random guy when when he's when he's not. I mean, what two two years ago there were clamors to have him be a Seattle pick. Yeah, totally right. And then now it's like they would be. That was always the craziest thing when we're trying to figure out, you know, what's what's Rutherford going to do? Who's he going to trade? What what is the shakeup move going to be? And and Russ was always like the first name to pop up, and it never made any sense because you're like, what are you going to? I mean, this dude is whatever, 20 or 25 goal capable. And he makes, and he makes three and a half million dollars a year. Like, what are you going to do? If you trade Brian Russ, you have to replace Brian Rust and is the, the contract makes sense and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I know it's crazy. It's crazy that, you know, it took him, it took him as long to kind of cement that in, in our heads. But yeah, I, I'm not, I'm done betting. I'm done betting against Brian Russ turning into a pumpkin. I'll say that. Yeah. We good, Mike. That all of them? That's it. Yep. Any parting words for the people, gentlemen? Just thank you guys for having me, man. I, I love to love the sub for Jesse. I know he's got his he's got his crew of people who write who who rightfully love him. I know it's going to be very disappointing to hear me instead <laughs> of him, but I'll, I'll I'll do what I have to do. I would say um, try and keep an even keel this week, everybody. <laughs> yeah, keep it together. I'll add yeah. I'll add just because it's the end of the show and people are probably tuned out by now. Guys, you don't have to cape for Sidney Crosby. He had a great year. Like, but when Connor McDavid scores 100 points in 53 games, Connor McDavid's the MVP. I don't. I don't have a heart vote this year, and I, I, I wish I did to to counteract the inevitable, the inevitable Crosby for MVP votes that are coming from, if not if not two, then certainly one of my colleagues. So, so you're yeah, not, you're not gonna you're not gonna vote for Mitch Marner. <laughs> if I, I would I, I would i would love to i'm i'm gonna fill next time i get one i'm just gonna fill out a full troll ballot just just to mess with people Brian yeah. kessler is he still in the league i don't know but he's mvp yeah. <laughs> all right well thank you guys as always for tuning in sean thanks for pinch hitting uh it sounds you like bet. we'll probably have you on a couple more times should the penguins make a long run like mike said keep an even keel and we will talk to you soon